0: This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks.
1: All right, welcome to a uh, special edition of Golf Talk Canada as we keep the season going here through the winter and get ready for 2021. But there's still lots to get to. we got Zucchino, Scully, and... Weeksy all in the house today. And if you're listening this morning on TSN Radio Coast to Coast, TSN ten fifty, iHeartRadio, uh thanks for tuning in as you do every Saturday morning. Uh we're also posting this best of year review show on our YouTube channel, our Golf Talk Canada YouTube channel. So we'll give a, a wave to the camera there for our YouTube audience as well today. But uh we love these Year in Review shows. We've got a bunch of them over the winter. Of course, December 12th, we're live on TSN television and TSN radio for our Festivus Year in Review special, which we always have a fun time doing. We're going to have lots of giveaways for Festivus. We're going to have some fun and uh, do feats of strength and the airing of grievances as we do every year. That's December 12th. But best of schedules continue through the winter and then we're back first week of February for Season 11 of Golf Talk Canada Radio. And then in March, Players Championship. I believe it's season seven of Golf Talk Canada Television. Man, where does the time go? But boys, let's jump into this thing. This is one of my favorite shows of the year to do because part of it is complaining, and you know how good I am at complaining. <laughs> and uh, the other part of it that I love too is our predictions. I like to go, man, how how off can we actually be? <laughs> the three of actually,
2: us. Scully is the only guy who seems to get them all right. What can I say, history boys? History. <laughs> We seem to use that as a little sting for, like, the next three years. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're welcome.
1: So we're going to take a lot of uh, portion of this show as well to take a look back at the major championship season. And let's start with the PGA Championship. And I'm going I'm to go to Bob first. I'm going to go to Bob first for a specific reason on this because a couple of weeks ago, Adam and I were in studio. We started talking about the majors. And we asked you this, Bob. You were on, on your way home from Augusta. We asked you what your favorite major was this year, and you jumped out with Augusta was your favorite. Adam and I both thought the PGA Championship was our favorite major of the year. So for you, did the PGA Championship, did it lack something when we look back and take a look at this? Why not the PGA Championship? Because in Scully and mine's mind, it created the most drama down the stretch.
2: It was. It was certainly – the first of the pandemic majors as well, so we didn't really know what to expect. We didn't know what it was going to look like. We didn't know what it was going to feel like. Uh, it was a, a kind of a cool course. Um, it had an interesting field. It had some interesting results. Obviously, with Morikawa winning and uh, winning in dramatic fashion. I mean, it's not very often that the best shot of a tournament is is with a driver. Like we've said that many times. But um, for me, I don't know. I guess I guess having been to Augusta, we'll get into Augusta. I know later in the show, but that made it a little bit different, a little bit better for me. But that's no slight against uh, either of the other two major championships that we had. But uh, I, I like the PGA for uh, for the course setup. It's always the most fair. It's always the best done. It's always interesting how they do it. And and I liked to for the for the drama down the stretch. It was really one where there was a lot of uh, at least one one where we had a little bit of drama on a Sunday.
1: I think the course was a big hit TPC, Harding park. I know we've seen it on a big stage before, but it's been quite some time. It was what close to 15 years since we saw it. It uh, was it been that long. I like of my head. I can't remember. Uh, but it's a very long time since we saw, you know, tiger and John Daly, American express championship. And we saw uh president's cup there uh, a few years back as well. Uh, but I thought TPC Harding park showed very well to Bob's point, you know, the setup PGA seems to get it right almost all the time. Uh, for me though, Adam, it, I, t- for me, it was the drama. I like good TV. I like, uh, I like uh, a tight championship down the stretch. Why was it your favorite? When, when we asked this question a couple of weeks ago on radio, why did you immediately say PGA as, to, as the same for myself?
3: There were just so many big names involved. You even look, you know, Dustin Johnson moving ahead the way he did on Saturday. How about Brooks Kepka, The comments he made after Saturday, he was almost hobbling on one leg, getting stretched by the trainer every once in a while. And he was, he was sort of saying he's the man to beat, and he shot a million on Sunday. Who, who could have saw that coming? And the, the way Colin Morikawa down the stretch, the shot of the year on the 16th hole to make the eagle the way he did. And Bryson DeChambeau, Coming a couple shots off the lead, clearly didn't have his A game. We saw that the next month at the U.S. Open. I love the course setup as well. There are so many guys in the mix. Eight guys within three shots of the lead. It was just, it was just a great tournament.
1: Is it clear? It's interesting. For me the it, shot of the year.
2: I was going to say interesting to point out too that three guys who were playing in their very first PGA Championship were inside the top four in Morikawa, Wolf, and Scheffler. That's kind of remarkable, I'm sure. Sorry to well, it just
1: kind of lines up, though, Bob. No, you're 100% right. It lines up with how weird this year was. And if we fast forward to Augusta, why I was so high on first-timers. And mm-hmm. take a look at that final group on Sunday when we went to Augusta and all those first-timers sprinkled into the mix. And I thought, you know, here we go. We're going to get our first first-timers since 79. We didn't get it. We got DJ. We'll get to that later. <laughs> I think two things that go, that kind of go unnoticed in the PGA Championship when we look at it. At the time, we are very high on Morikawa because, obviously, it's a bit of a coming-out party, uh, shot of the year, in my opinion. I know Scully said it. Bob, is it the shot of the year for you before we continue? Is that the shot of the year at 16?
2: Yeah. yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree.
1: I think it's hard to say anything else is the shot of the year this year. It's hard to have a debate on that one. But the one thing that kind of went under the radar, um, and I'm not so sure why looking back, but DJ blew another lead, and did did we maybe underestimate that, or did we you know not give it enough attention it deserved because potentially DJ did, didn't blow that lead. He shot sixty eight on Sunday, and Morikawa shot sixty four, and maybe he just got beat that day by the better guy, and it was a different way of losing the major. Bob, is that why we didn't give it as much attention?
2: Yeah, you can lose majors, and then you can give majors away. And I think this was just getting beat, pure and simple. And that's what DJ said after. You know, he said, uh, "You know, just Colin just played better than he did on that final day. There were low scores out there, so I mean, you can't say that DJ couldn't have done it. Uh, but I think in this case, it wasn't so much about about him coughing it up like we've seen him do uh, numerous times in the past.
1: What about you, Adam? Is that, was that the difference for you? Because we did I don't. We even talk about. Uh, DJ losing another one. We talked about DJ in the mix. We talked about what a great championship. Hey, the three major winners of 2020 are in the top five at this golf tournament. Okay. So that tells you about the quality of this leaderboard. Uh, Matt Wolf is in that top five, who had a chance to win the US Open, finished second. Paul Casey, who came out of the gates at Augusta with a the lead. They're all in the top five on this leaderboard. But is that the reason, the fact that he just got outplayed by a group of other people? There's numerous players that had a chance to win because we didn't really touch on this.
3: You know, for Dustin Johnson, it was almost a backdoor tie for second finish. He missed a lot of putts early in the middle of his round. And then you might remember on the 16th hole, the same hole that Colin Morikawa made that eagle, Dustin Johnson actually hit it in the water on that hole about 30 yards long and left, took a drop and then chipped it in. For the unlikely birdie and on 18 he sunk about a 40 footer for birdie so almost a backdoor tied for second kind of like he did last year at augusta national losing to tiger woods by one shot he was two shots off the pace here but for dustin johnson we'll get into this later in the show as well just probably the most dominating summer we've seen maybe since rory mcelroy in 2014.
1: yeah it might be right up there some of these uh, numbers are rory-esque tiger-esque the way he was in every golf tournament. Okay, guys, before we wrap up this PGA segment and kind of put a bow on it and and get to the next segment, which will be the U.S. Open, which I think will go a lot deeper before because before we even have to talk about the U.S. Open, we need to talk about Bryson DeChambeau and a distance debate. Uh, yours truly has been really hard on guys that re- redid their bodies in weight rooms and stuff over the years. You know, I – We didn't want to see Rory go down that that trap door because of what happened with Tiger and this or that. Bryson doing it and seems to be doing it right. So there's a lot to get into that. But with the PGA Championship, Bob, the USGA seems like they are kind of making a bit of a U-turn in a sense. Where they are going to establish almost a rota of golf courses that they know, they're familiar with, they're consistent in setup. Uh, will we see an outlier once in a while, maybe to get to the West Coast, et cetera? Possibly, we think Torrey Pines is going to be in that that Rota and pebbled, which will be our West Coast stops anyway. Oakmont, Wingfoot, Pinehurst Number Two, etc. The PGA Championship with the move in the schedule now. Are is it on them now? Are is it on the PGA of America to try some new venues and see some new courses? Again, it's moved up in the schedule more southern hemisphere, is it kind of on them now, especially now that the USGA has kind of taken themselves off the hook on this one?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's uh it's an op- I think you have to look at it as an opportunity for the PGA on a couple of fronts. One is you can go to uh, courses that are perhaps new and and want to be tested out uh, at a major championship. And also you can go into markets where uh if if the USGA sits up its rotation in a certain way, you know, there's a lot of good markets out there, like the Pacific Northwest, which would be just, I mean, it'd be huge, successfully financial, uh, financially successful for, for something like the PGA. So there are ways that you can use this to a huge advantage. And I see that as nothing but uh, but green grass and straight ahead fairways for the uh, for the PGA and, and locating sites for the PGA championship. We should point out that I think about the next 10 years are already locked in, but um, <laughs> but down the road, if that's what happens, I, I think it works in the PGA's favor.
1: Where would you love to see it, Bob? I'm going to ask you the same question, Adam. If Bob, if there was one place that you thought think would be really cool that the PGA could push the envelope on where we haven't seen a major championship before, or haven't seen one in decades, where in your mind should they go?
2: Uh, you know, what would be cool would be somewhere in Florida. I don't know if you could do, do it at that time of year, but maybe in uh, at, uh, at Seminole. Or maybe you go up in the opposite corner and go up to Sahali up in, uh, up in the Pacific Northwest. As I said, you know, that's a place that doesn't get a, a, a major championship very often. And I think the ticket sales would go through the roof.
1: Scully, uh, what about you, buddy? Where where would you think the PGA could land or where would you love to see it? I, I've always said, I know it's never going to happen, but I've always loved to see a desert major somehow. And I, they won't do it. It's probably not going to happen. But there are some great desert golf courses that uh, would make really interesting setups. It's hard to set up with the rough and whatnot, but I mean, you know, let's get a PGA of America with their hands on PGA West stadium course and see, and see what happens. Right.
3: Yeah, that'd, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, one course that had a lot of controversy that I'd really love to see the guys go back and it held a U.S. open is chambers Bay. I mean, if, if the conditioning's a little better, that course is fascinating to watch, you know, changing the 18th hole from a par four to a par five. That was kind of strange, but the, the undulation oh, Mark's losing it now <laughs> undulating the slopes, everything. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can see Mark just lose his mind right now, but I, I think it'd be great to see Chambers Bay. One more note about the PGA before you go to a break. It'd be awesome to see the PGA be the one major. Maybe that's always in the Pacific time zone that we always watch in prime time, you know, uh, like it was the case this year. So who knows? Maybe Chambers Bay. Maybe,
2: maybe you could take it outside of the United States. Like they've Uh, talked about, maybe you go to Asia for one, once every 10 years.
1: I'm going to open up a giant can of worms here, guys, and we can't because we got to go to break. But you know what I was thinking about the other night? I was thinking about how we lost the RBC Canadian Open this year, and and mainly that was due to border issues. But let's just assume, let's just play make-believe for a second and said the border issues could have been handled, you know, private jets, rapid testing, things that might happen in 2021 where you can contain who's coming in and coming out for one specific event. But let's say there's still no crowds allowed. Think of some of the great venues in Canada. We could have our national championship if we weren't worried about 30, 40, 50,000 people having to gather around a hole. Think about handing out an RBC Canadian Open out at Cabot for a Mate for TV RBC Canadian Open. The national. How good's that? The Nash. How much time I do we mean, have? <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about that last night going, because I worked that CJ Cup for PGA Tour Radio at Shadow Creek. You could have put a sausage around those greens. That place is so claustrophobic. I'm thinking, wow, think of some of the spots in Canada. We could have a national championship. We didn't have to worry about all the things that Golf Canada needs to concern themselves with. Okay, we've gone late already. On the other side, we're going to talk about the incredible bulk, Bryson DeChambeau, and this year's U.S. Open. This is our Golf Talk Canada Best of Series right here, GTC.
0: This segment of GTC was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade. Every day, more golfers are playing the TP5 and TP5X golf balls. Join them, and you'll see why. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino
1: and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to our Golf Talk Canada Year in review special, one of many year in review specials we're going to have for you over the winter season. And if you're watching us on our YouTube channel, hello. And if you're listening to us on TSN Radio, uh, thank you for tuning in as always every Saturday morning. um, We're looking at the majors to kick off this best of special, and it's time to get to the U.S. Open. And before we even get to the U.S. Open, I think we need to go back over the last, you know, eight months and talk about the transformation about Bryson DeChambeau and what he did to his body. And Adam, let's start with you because although Bob can get on a treadmill and and outdoors and do marathons, which I am, you know, wouldn't be, I, I'd be tired watching Bob do a marathon. So uh, you certainly beat both of us in the gym, Adam. Uh, so I'm, that's why I'm starting with you on this one. I, you know, I've been critical over the years about uh, players who tried to add bulk. Players who trained differently for golf. Um, I thought it hurt Tiger. I thought it hurt Rory for a year or so there, and then Rory backed off. Why was Bryson different? Is it is it is it different because he's you know is he a one plane swinger? He has his own way of doing things. I love the Chris Cuomo conversation about breadcrumbs. And if we're going to go down this path, we're going to leave breadcrumbs on how to get back in case we get lost. Like I mean. This was such a big project. We're talking like 60 pounds of muscle in a short period of time, 50 pounds of I mean, why was this different? Why did this work? Why was he right and everybody else wrong who told him not to do this?
3: I think one of the main reasons it worked is because of the pandemic pause, because he actually had time to really work on a swing and not go into competition and play. If you remember last year's President's Cup, when he was just starting this, maybe a month or two into it, he was an absolute disaster in Australia. He was awful. Then a couple months off, right before the pandemic pause, played well at Bay Hill, for example, had a chance to win there. Then there's three and a half months off. He comes back and he's a different guy. We can't even recognize him. So I think the time off to really groove the changes to really get those double XL shirts instead of a medium, you know, that sort of thing for Bryson DeChambeau, He, he really worked on all facets of his game. It wasn't just the driving though. At the U.S. Open, as we'll get into, that short game was unbelievable. For a guy who uses all-length clubs, excluding the driver in Fairway Woods, his chipping was extraordinary. And, you know, Mark, you were there when he, when he dominated in Detroit, and then he went on to have a good summer.
1: When I saw him for the first time in Detroit, Bob, it was shocking. Like, I literally haven't seen him in a very long time. I did not see him when we were at the Players with my own eyes. Um, so I, I, I was just still going off TV images and things like that. I didn't really see him with my own eyes and he wasn't as big at the players as he was to to Adam's point. When he came back, he added another 30 or 40 pounds or something stupid like that in in the, in the pandemic shutdown. Uh, When I saw him at Detroit, I was shocked. So I'm just curious to you, like, why are you, that was a great point, Adam. I didn't even think of why it might've worked this time because he did it in the offseason. And to any of our listeners or viewers today, this is the time of year in canada where you want to make changes to adam's point is like you don't do these things in competition you don't do these things on the golf course you do these things with the coaches and people who know what they're doing and you do them tend to do them indoors you tend to do them away from the golf course bob is that part of why this worked and you know what was your first reaction when you saw him with your own eyes like to me i was uh, like
2: this is yeah nuts. i, I First off, I think Adam's right, he had time. He had a, a stretch of time where he could work on it, which is very rare, in the, as anyone knows, in the world of golf. Uh, I think when I saw him at Augusta, it was, I mean, he looked like the guys you see at the long drive championships, you know, big, bulky, uh, massive upper body. And uh, and he approached it like, you know, he huffed and puffed when he was standing in front of a tee shot. It was kind of funny at some points to sit look at some of his playing partners kind of like almost smirking at his pre-shot routine. I, I'm still not a convert yet that this is going to actually work out long term. I think we've all jumped on the train, and you know, I talked to uh, someone down at Augusta National who told me about how a lot of colleges now are seeing their kids, their their, their you know their their students going in on this, uh, getting into the the protein shakes and hitting the gym in a big way. Um, I'm still a little, uh, I'm uh, you know, maybe I, I'm not quite as sold as some of these guys because I'm a skinny runner as opposed to a big weightlifter, but. Um, I think there's still some potential to to see what happens in the long term to see if this holds up or not. But i, I got to give him credit. He's, and I think that's what a lot of players on the PGA Tour are doing. Whether you like Bryson or you don't like Bryson, he's found something. He's found a way to try and make the game better or to try and play to his advantage, and he's going to try and use it.
1: Well, you might be a skinny runner, Bob, and Bob and Adam might be a big weightlifter, and uh, so I don't know what that makes me. Uh, I I got nothing <laughs> to hold my hat on to. So, um, you know, the interesting thing you said there, Bob, too, that I kind of agree with a thousand percent is I always say this when when on PJ Tour Radio when we're doing the play by play, I always say, you know, you, you often hear guys say, well, every player on the PJ Tour is just one thought or one belief away from winning. That these guys are that that good. So, at the end of the day, if all this becomes is the, if all this becomes is Bryson's way of believing in what he's doing, then, then that might be enough for him. I, I'm still kind of I'm with you. I'm not 100 percent in all the way for, for one main factor. I don't know what this looks like five years from now on his body. I, I don't know longevity the way this is going. The flip side of that coin, guys, is if he does what he does at the. US Open. He does that three times a year. Who cares what it looks like uh, in five years? Because that's you know, fifteen wins, going to add a couple majors, going to already put would put him in the Hall of Fame with over twenty wins already and multiple majors. If he does that next five years, you know, maybe he's saying, "Adam, if I can't get out of bed when I'm uh, thirty-seven, so be it."
3: Well, you know, I I agree. And you you think back to those comments he made at Augusta National when he was complaining of dizziness and his stomach—just something wasn't right in his stomach. I'm no doctor, but if you drink seven protein shakes in a day, your stomach just isn't going to be right. It's just not good for you. I, I have one protein sh- shake a day, and that's hard enough on your stomach. But seven in a day, Bryson, maybe dial it back just a
2: little bit. Hey, and but let's let's not forget who beat him at Augusta. Let's uh, his playing partner on the last day, right? Sixty-three uh, year old uh, Bernard. Bernard, <laughs> it was <laughs>
1: unbelievable. It was my winner that weekend on winners. we and what and how can it not be? You know, he gave up a hundred yards off the tee and get him done. And Bob, great minds think alike because I. That's a wonderful segue because if we're talking about the U.S. Open, you can't talk about the U.S. Open without talking about setup and the distance debate. And listen, uh, Winged Foot was, t- was a tough setup. It was set up with rough. They put a premium on putting the ball in the fairway. And you look at Bryson DeChambeau's numbers and you go, well, he didn't put it in the fairway. Well, his percentage of hitting like 44% of his fairways or whatever it was in the low 40s, doesn't jump off the chart at you, but it was still better than half the field. So even though he was in the rough all day, he was in the rough less than the rest of the field and in the rough with a wedge. He was still the only player in that golf tournament under par. And when you consider that he was the only player in that golf tournament under par, when you consider that he gave a hundred yards to Bernard longer and lost in four rounds over Augusta and straight up to him on the Sunday, Bob, do we have a distance debate or, or should like, I know You know where the RNA and USGA are going on this. We're waiting for the findings. Should we at all be waiting on the findings?
2: Well, uh, you know, there's two things in that. There's, there's long, and then there's also long and straight. So, you know, as my dad likes to say, the woods are full of long ball hitters. So, yeah, you can hit it long. And at the U.S. Open, uh, you know, Bryson, Bryson showed that, you know, you can, it's a lot easier, obviously, to get out of a six-inch rough with a 60-degree wedge than it is with a five iron. So maybe the further down you are, is still good if you've got a clear shot. And take nothing away from him. I mean, that 60-70 shot on the last day, three shots better than anybody in the field, um, and, and wins by six. He's the only guy under par. So, I mean, that was a pretty remarkable performance. You just wonder how many times a year is he going to do that? Is, is he going to do that, as you said, five, three, f- two, one? I don't know how many times. But if he does it three or four times a year, wins a major every second year, you're right. He's a Hall of Fame career.
1: Adam, you said it right off the top. What about the putting and chipping? We can talk about the long ball all we want. So two things to you before we wrap up this segment. One, uh, same question to you. Is there a distance debate or we just set up golf courses smart and not worry about it? And two, he he gained more shots on the field in the U.S. Open with his putter than he did with his driver. Mm-hmm. But we're all talking about his driver.
3: You know, to go on your first – Point you know it's all, it's all about course setup if if you have set up the course hard enough or you, you put the pins in certain spots it doesn 't matter matter how far you hit the ball really ball's still got to go in the hole whether you, you hit a two thirty or you know, 340 sort of thing. So, but for Bryson, his short game, that's certainly won in the U.S. Open. He drove it really all over the map. And yes, when he missed it long in the rough, he still had to chip it around the greens and get up and down from some really weird spots. I know we're going to get into this, into the Masters. He was so dominating at the U.S. Open. Then he goes to tinker his equipment and his timing was all off. I know we're going to get into this in our next segment, but for Bryson, why go away from something
1: that really helped you? Well, and Adam, to your point, it kinda almost reinforces what your hunch was on why it might have worked this this transformation he did, because he had time and he did it in in a forced off season. And to reinforce that point, he did the changes he was trying to make at Augusta, he didn't have time. He did it in a couple of weeks span. Equipment looking to add another seven pounds like overnight change the shaft three inches. Instead of inching his way up to 48 inches, he goes from 45 to 48. So it kind of reinforces everything you're saying about, Hey, if you give yourself time and a proper plan and structure to do these changes, they can work. If you jump in with no plan, try to turn everything up to 11, you know, there is a downside to this. And the downside is you lose to a guy you give a hundred yards to. All right. hey, quick
2: shout out, quick shout out too, to Taylor Pendrith, low Canadian at the U.S. Open in his first U.S. Open with yes. a tie for 23rd. I know we're going to get into the Canadians <laughs> in another show, but that was a pretty remarkable performance for a guy in his maiden run at a major.
1: A remarkable year for a guy who has cracked the top 120 in the official World Golf Ranking without a real steady gig on the PGA Tour. He's doing it on other tours. So hats off to him and you're right, Bob. Okay, on the other side, we're going to jump into the year's most recent major. should be fresh, top of mind. We'll talk Masters and DJ's dominance at Augusta. This is our best of GTC.
0: This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by TaylorMade. Every day, more golfers are playing the TP5 and TP5X golf balls. Join them and you'll see why. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino
1: and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to our best of special right here on GTC TSN Radio Network, Coast to Coast iHeartRadio app. And if you're watching us, we downloaded this show on our YouTube channel at Golf Talk Canada on YouTube. Uh, Bob, Adam. Okay, Bob, this is a fresh one, man. You just got home from Augusta. Um, you and, and Duffy and Dillette on location. Uh, you guys, you know, obviously did an amazing job. Um, we had a lot of fun working this year's Masters. And you know what, I'm, I'm happy DJ got it. I think he's played so well for so long. I think it's a great story. I think You know, he's 36 years old, but I light that number on fire these days because you can throw age out the window. 40s are still very young and very healthy and playing at a high level. And the Morikawa's point, you can come out of college and be ready. When you mature and when you play your best golf is to each the individual. DJ's an athlete. This is a big one for his legacy.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think it was one of those ones where, you know, he really wanted to he really wanted to get this one done. He grew up in that area. This was the, the, his big favorite major. This is the tournament that when he was a kid growing up, you know, he sank that last putt on the putting green to win the green jacket. So I think it was big and I think it was uh, deserving is not the right word, maybe fitting after the summer he's had and the, the dominance he's had these, I mean, on a run with, you know, winning a tournament with 30 under and uh, now score setting a scoring record, which we can discuss uh, in a minute but um i i think it looked i think he looked really good winning it and i think i know it wasn't uh it was a weird masters you know the, the very quiet very uh lot not very much drama on the back nine on sunday but i think it was a nice one to see for dj to win
1: i think fitting is definitely the word adam he didn't finish outside the top two almost in every golf tournament he played come down stretch u.s open was his worst uh, performance with a sixth place finish that was his worst performance we don't talk about guys like this I, you know it's almost Tiger-esque in the sense that you know when Tiger used to put the ball on the ground if he didn't have a chance to win late on Sunday we were all shocked it's starting to feel that way a little bit with DJ
3: you know it really is and. You think to Dustin Johnson, the, his performance in the third round, hitting all 14 fairways, you don't see that very often at Augusta National. Then you go to his final round, he makes a couple bogeys early on. You think, oh boy, is he is he is this one going away too? And then the great birdie on six, the up and down on seven. Then how about the back nine? He got mud on half of his golf ball on 10, hits this cute little draw in there, getting up and down on 11, uh, par on 12. And then the way he went birdie, 13, 14, 15, it was quite a performance by Dustin Johnson.
1: Bob, you brought up the scoring uh, record. I asked you on the air uh, on a Golf Talk Canada Saturday morning uh, after Augusta, I believe. No, it was our Monday special that we did for TV as well. That's what it was. Uh, All our shows have blurred into the same (laughs) 11 years. Um, I asked you, was there an asterisk on the scoring record? You immediately said no. You didn't hesitate. Um, Explain to us. Because we weren't there, we we got the information from you. We got the information from TV. What did it feel like from from an actual ground level of of how different it was? Like when you walked those fairways, were they around the golf course or outside the fictional ropes that weren't there? Did it feel softer? The air was it heavier? Give us a description. Yeah,
2: it there were spots on the golf course that were super, super soggy. And, you know, for instance, Bryson DeChambeau had a tee shot on the third hole that just plunged into the mud. And they never found it. Uh, Kevin Kisner did the same thing. He happened to be playing with Adam Hadwin when I was walking around one afternoon and we helped him find it, but it was a good, you know, this far into the ground. Uh, balls were plugging on the greens. I'd never seen that before. So I have seen the golf course very, very wet. I have seen it soaking. I've seen guys, you know, uh, with balls, so picking up mud in the fairways. I have never seen the balls plug on the greens like they did. So there was a little bit of that. But, um, but on the same token, there was a lot of stuff that you don't normally get. You don't normally get that north wind, which came out of uh, for most three of the four days. So that was a little bit different, changed things around a little bit. And I, I don't know. I, I think that... Um, there's lots of years you can look at cold conditions. You can look at all sorts of different weather. So this was just another year with different weather. Yes, it happened to be in November, um, but I, I think if you if you wanted to point to anything, it might be that the greens were a little bit softer, around the greens were tougher to chip because the grasses were a little bit uh, melding in, a little bit different. Uh, but overall, it, you know, it, it's a win. It's a win, and and you still have to play awesome to to win at Augusta National. I think that's what Dustin Johnson did.
1: Do you account the first-timers doing so well more to do with the uh, lack of fire in the greens and maybe the fact that some of your memories around Augusta weren't valid in November in terms of how the bounces go, how the rolls go, et cetera? Or is it just these guys now, these first-timers are different than first-timers from 30 years ago? To Colin Morikawa's point, you know we got first-timers walking in with major titles. What, what is it? Or is it a combo of both for you, Bob?
2: It's a little bit of both i think i think the soft greens were probably the biggest advantage for a lot of the players because you know these guys can fire at the pin let's face it if you're on the pga tour you can hit it uh, 55 and a half yards if you have to or rather than 50 yards and so in most cases we know when you get hit at augusta if you're if you're a half yard off you can be end up being you know 30 feet off um so i think it was a little easier to attack the greens certainly for the first two days anyway um, so I think that might have been a big, bigger advantage. But I think that uh, a lot of these guys now they have so many analytics about what's going on. There are guys giving, you know, there's guys now on the PGA Tour. If you have an afternoon tee time, there's an you you hire a guy to do analytics on the course for the morning wave, and he'll give that to you before it before you tee off. Uh, so you have a little bit of a head start in what to expect on the golf course. So there's lots of ways you can get smart about a golf course that you've never seen before, uh, as as opposed to years
1: gone by. Can you imagine Arnold Palmer asking for analytics on a, on an afternoon? Yeah, exactly. Not a chance. Adam, for me, it's the it, it is the softness of the greens. Yep. So you and I were working in Toronto, and we were running, I believe it was a highlighted package. Uh, and it was Cameron Smith who hit a high hook, and this hook was cooking into the fifteenth green with a hybrid. and I mean, that thing bounces up like a trampoline nine out of every 10 years. It digs in and stays in a three foot circle. That to me was just jaw dropping on what well, we're in for a different masters.
3: Yeah, hundred percent agree. And you know, it, it was, it was different to watch. It was, I mean, having not been on the grounds before, not seeing any patrons around some of the greens, it was fascinating as a viewer to see, for example, just how close some of the greens really are together to some of the t boxes. And Bob, you could speak more on this in terms of, you know, you go to the 16th hole, you're, what 40 steps away from the 17th tee and same thing with 18 and and 9 green it's it's fascinating to watch
2: i was i was on the first day when we were walking out i was walking over to the second green which i've done a thousand times and uh, walking over there to to go and watch tiger and he was lining up a putt i was about maybe about 100 yards away or so so we stopped there's three of us james Duthie and and uh, puffy and i we stopped and waited because we were in his eye line and all of a sudden we realized, oh my gosh, we're standing in the middle of the eighth fairway. We didn't even realize where we were. <laughs> there were no ropes. There were some people ready to tee off just to our left. So <laughs> we had to saddle out of the way.
1: Oh, now you guys uh, know a little bit about what I've been going through, Bob, when you're out there trying to call it and you're looking, you're looking around, you're calling it, you think you're far enough away where no one's going to hear you because there's nothing to shield your voice. And you turn around and there's a deck 10 feet from you and guys are (laughs) trying to (laughs) tee
2: That's right. It's weird. I've been there 25 times, but with no grandstands and with no ropes, you were kind of thrown off a little bit as to what was going on and where it was happening.
1: All right. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Bryson because just like being part of the U.S. Open story, he was also part of the uh, master story in a big way for all the wrong reasons. Adam, let's just pick up that thought of what you were talking about in our previous segment. The night before, he's still trying to decide if he's going with a 48-inch shaft, a 45-inch shaft. I'm sitting here in Toronto studio when we were working at the desk. I was smashing my head against the desk going, listen, this this is 101. This is, you can't the amount of speed you need to create over rotation, potentially extra hand speed to to square up a face on a 48 inch driver. When you've been playing with a 45, your entire last probably your entire professional career with a 45 inch driver. And then you're going to, you know, go to 40, after all those 48, uh, 48 inch shaft drives and hours with the club and practice rounds back and forth, you're going to go out Thursday morning in competition. It's going to feel like a pitching wedge in your head. And of course, you're going to hit snap hooks off the gate and then have a two-way miss as you try to catch this thing. How does he not know that is my first question. How does he not know that? Because this, is, again, this is golf 101. And my gut is, he does know this, my gut is with a beautiful mind, when you're Russell Crowe standing in front of a chalkboard, you need to stay distracted at all times. And the minute you're not distracted by another mathematical equation of some some kind, how do they put the caramel in the caramel bar? right? <laughs> what, once once you can't figure out, once that goes the other way, then, then it becomes a sport. And then you start to think about all the things that other professional golfers think about. And you get focused on the moment and nerves step in and mm-hmm. all those things that may, the golfers don't want to deal with. And I'm wondering if he got caught in his own trap this time around.
3: I think a little bit. I mean, he was talking it up. He took the month off before to test out this new driver. We saw videos of him on social media yelling before hitting his ball, hitting his tee shots in a, in a practice round at some random muni. It was fascinating to see. He was one of the most anticipated masters moments, I think, I was ever looking forward to, for sure. And then, as you said, he decides to go back to the shorter driver. And what's he do on Thursday? He smother hooks his drive on the 11th hole, a second hole of day, 40 yards left of the fairway, got lucky to stay in bounds. And then the two-way miss happened. But you want you look at, like, Phil Mickelson. He went to a 47-and-a-half-degree driver, so he didn't quite go to the extent. <laughs> Dustin Johnson practiced with a 47-inch driver. He almost put it into play. He used it in a practice round. But he said, you know, what, the extra 10 yards, I, I don't need that. And he won by what he did. So for Bryson, he likes to go to the extreme of everything he does. Who knows? Maybe next year he'll be 300 pounds and only use the 40-inch driver. I'd
1: love see that. <laughs> well, Adam, don't forget, though, Mickelson was at 46, too, when he went to 47, 47 and a half. He was already at 46. Bryson's going from 45 to 48. I don't have a beautiful mind. I am not a mathematician. What? But I know that's three inches. I do know that, 45 to 48. Bob, where are you on this? And You know, you were there when he said in the press room at Augusta, you were there when he said, I'm not so sure I like being the favorite. Uh, Maybe I want to be the underdog. I'm not comfortable with this. Is that part of this?
2: You know, it's uh, Bryson is a, I kind of said this in the last segment, but Bryson is a guy that a lot of players in the locker room that I've been able to talk to kind of go, hmm, but they do respect (laughs) him for what he's doing. and, and honestly to sit there and watch him like on the first hole I watched him tee off on Friday I guess and to see where he hit his ball over you know essentially over the bunker bunker's not even in play on the right hand side and there were years when guys couldn't hit it up to the top of the hill of the bunker so you're talking like about a 60 yard 70 yard distance and and so I'm just not sure if, uh, and so there are some things, I guess what they saying is that he's doing right. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure that he's kind of learned to t- turn down the um, his out, outward mind thinking. You know, like you don't say the par is 67 at Augusta National. You don't say, uh, I don't know, there's a, a few things that he has said over the year that just kind of make you kind of wonder is just dial it back play your game and let your clubs do the talking. remember when he talked to the cameraman at at detroit and told him you're hurting my brand i mean there there's just certain things that you you don't do
1: the out of bounds conversation at murfield village uh i mean there was a bunch of them and you're right a lot of them are cringeworthy and i like fire yeah (laughs) yes and i i like uh, fire ants was yes and i like bryson and i've had nothing but positive encounters with them and i I, you know, I, one of my favorite things I've done uh, mm-hmm. is when I called his win at the John Deere and was there right with him on the range when he realized he was going to the Open Championship and you could just see it on his face. I'm like, these are great experiences. But you're right. I think Bob's a thousand percent right, man. If you don't want that spotlight, you don't want that heat, you want to stay in your process, you want to stay on the path you're on, you got to learn to shut your mouth a little bit and say things a little differently and call in par 67 Augusta National. That ain't the way to do it. All right, and Bob, I love what you said about the first bunker on the on Augusta. I haven't been to as many Masters as you. I've been to uh, fifteen, I believe. And but that's enough. Okay, and uh, like I mean, are you kidding me? You had five or six guys in the field that had to worry about reaching that bunker off the tee. That's right. Everybody else was just playing out to the left, trying to get it up the hill. Now we're now it's not in play. We're <laughs> flying it. What what happened? Okay, on the other side. Uh, I don't even know where we can go with this. Where were we? Where are we on Tiger Woods in 2020? I know one thing, boys. I got as many questions now closer than I did at twenty eighteen than I do in twenty nineteen. Like I, I feel like we're going backwards, which is scary if you're a Tiger fan. All right, on the other side, we'll do more GTC best stuff. We'll talk big cat Tiger Woods. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Now, here are your
1: hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome to our best of, back to our best of golf talk. And as we wrap up hour one, we got lots to get to in hour two. Disappointment of the year, surprise of the year, three dub of the year, predictions, so much to talk about. But guys, you can't do a year review without Tiger Woods. So I teased it on the start, I have more concerns now than I did a year ago. A year ago, I thought, okay, you know, he's a master's champion. Man, he looked like the best player at the President's Cup. Certainly the best iron player in the world at the President's Cup. And now we had a guy that really didn't compete much all year, showed us a little signs of of brilliance at Augusta. That's almost to be expected. I used this analogy when we were talking masters on TSN television. I said, some guys are better in a different jersey. You know, Wendell Clark was always better in a leaf uniform than when he was anywhere else in the National Hockey League. To me, that's Tiger at Augusta. Adam, where are you on this? How do you look at 2020 and where do you see Tiger in 2021? Well,
3: it's crazy to think. Arguably, the best golf we saw Tiger play in 2020 was during an exhibition match in May when there was so much hype around him. He was swinging so well, he was moving up both ways. Yes, it was his own course. Yes, it was an exhibition, but he was playing. He was playing well, and then he was just so mediocre. Then he get to Augusta National. His first tee shot swings the draw around. I think, okay, his back's feeling good. He can shape it both ways. He easily could have shot six, seven, eight under in that first round. And then it looked like the back got really tight, especially having to play 26 holes on that Saturday. Move to the Sunday double digits on the 12th hole first time in what 23,000 holes he'd done that but then he birdies five of his last six holes so for Tiger Woods I have no idea what to think for 2021 that's what makes him so intriguing
1: uh, Bob same uh, to I you think, like
2: you know I think this is the first year uh if you if you go from the, the post-pandemic pause on that he really didn't show us anything there was, you know, there were little little flickers of of good rounds and good shots, and like Adam said, that stretch where he birdied five of the last six was really, uh, pretty heroic, actually, at the Masters. But overall, you know, he, he was never really in contention for any of the majors. He was never really uh, uh, over over like overall impressing us or coming down the stretch on a Sunday, and you just kind of wonder if this is going to be what we get from here on in this might be the tipping point year there have been years when he hasn't performed well we, we know he's coming back from surgery he's had a bad back but he was relatively healthy all things considered this year uh, i mean only two top tens and those were both early early in the year so i i just kind of worry about what we're going to get from tiger and maybe this is perhaps the tipping point as i said he was very emotional at augusta national this year you know he yes. cried during the press conference uh, on his way to the champions' dinner, he actually had to pull the car over and stop because he was overcome with emotion. His girlfriend had to talk to him and he just calm him down. And then, according to some people that I talked to, said when he was in in the the champions' dinner, he was also very emotional. And you wonder if this is kind of him realizing that maybe this was his last big hurrah last year.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering that as well, Bob. That maybe he's realizing this will be the last time he ever has a chance to host the dinner, first attend. The dinner. Okay, guys, only a minute left before we wrap up hour one of our best of. I'm going to go to you guys right now. The Players' Championship is a little early in the calendar uh, in 2021. I believe, off the top of my head, March 11th is the opening round, the Thursday of the Players' Championship. Two and a half, I'm giving you the number right now. Two and a half is the over-under. Tiger Woods, tournaments played before the Players' Championship. Do you take the over, Adam, or the under? two and a half, March 11th, it's early. Not a lot of Florida swing in there. I've got him possibly at Tory, possibly at LA, possibly at the match play if he were to qualify. Um, over. I'm going over, for sure. Over. You, you're saying three or more. Bob, Damn. over or under, two and a half?
2: Under. I'm, the I'm saying Tory and Genesis, that's it.
1: I'm kind of with you, Bob. I'm thinking, um, if, the, if, 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 I'm thinking if the players was a little deeper into March, we might see him play Honda. He hasn't played it in a few years. It's a home game. Might see him at Bay Hill. I'm with you. He's, got, he's going to San Diego. He's going to LA. Let me put it this way. I hope you and I are wrong. I hope yeah. Adam's right. Let's do that. <laughs> me too. On the other, on the other side, we're going to talk a little bit about disappointments and surprises. Good or bad, 2020, our best of Golf Talk Canada year in review special. This is GTC.
0: This segment of GTC, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour One of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by smartgolfdeals.com. The smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your
1: hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to our Golf Talk Canada Best of Year Review special. One of many year review specials as we'll be running through our winter schedule here on Golf Talk Canada. Don't forget, December 12th. It is our festivist for the rest of this year in review celebration. We'll air the grievances. We will talk feats of strength. Hopefully have some guest callers, give away some great prizes, lots of fun always. And you can watch our festivist special on TSN television Saturday morning or listen to us on the TSN radio network. And, of course, if you're watching us right now on YouTube, we decided to post the show on our YouTube channel as well. So lots to come from Golf Talk Canada as we head towards February and Season 11 of Golf Talk Canada. Okay, guys. Surprises, disappointments. Bob, uh, let's start with you with surprises. I'll give you one of mine off the top before I throw it to you. The cancellation of the Open Championship was one of the biggest surprises for me all year because we all knew that the USGA and the PGA Tour and the PGA of America were all in behind closed doors, trying to really be flexible with one another, really try to work together to create a schedule that would include everybody they they were doing this with the rna in mind there was a there were plenty of dates available for the rna if they wanted to do this and then it gets blown up it gets canceled to me looking back a year with three majors a calendar year with three majors i mean that's got to be one of the biggest surprises hands down for me
2: can you say insurance that's essentially why why there was no open championship you know that was early days of the pandemic we didn't know exactly how things were going to hold out they did have a clause in their insurance uh with for a pandemic so uh, why not take the sure money and wait a year i was a little shocked because they usually would hold something um you know through terrible weather and every other circumstance but you're right uh i had a good surprise listed down here i had two quick ones here Uh, a good surprise Nick Taylor winning at Pebble Beach, holding off Phil Mickelson down the stretch. That was great. I mean, not to say it came out of nowhere, um, but Nick, you know, Nick has been playing decent golf, but not uh, to the to the level that I thought he would go. And he just handled Phil Mickelson as if it was nothing on his back. You know, coming up, trying to chase him down the the final few holes. So that was a good one. And the other one was um, golf producing eighteen point two billion dollars in economic benefits in Canada. Golf Canada and Naga released that study. Uh, I mean, that's not even including what happened this year. We know this year was a boom year, but uh, two good news stories based really around Canada. So uh, those were my surprises.
1: You know, I love Nick Taylor on Sunday uh, at Pebble Beach was one of my favorite Sundays of the entire year for a bunch of different reasons. Obviously, we all know Nick personally. He's such a great guy. He's an Adidas ambassador, tailor-made ambassador. So we get to see him at at other venues at other levels as well. Uh, But you know how hard he's been working. Obviously, we cheer for Team Canada. But to do it against Phil at Pebble Beach, I mean, there's just something romantic and fantastic about that that makes it one of the best Sundays of the uh-huh. year for me. Uh, Adam, surprises. Cup half full, cup half empty. Where are you going?
3: I mean, first of all, on Nick Taylor, that was one of the better Sundays, and that feels like that was about 14 years ago. That was <laughs> that's <in February>. that's- <laughs> You know, I'll I'll never forget that. Actually, doing I was doing the highlight package for Sports Center for TSN, and Bob, you were actually sitting behind me about three feet away. Back when we could sit three feet away from each other without a mask on. That's and true. It was- It was unbelievable to see the way he bounced back, especially because the golf course got so hard on that back nine. He makes the great birdie on nine, takes a five-shot lead into the back nine, and then things kind of went off the rails for a little bit, both for Taylor and Mickelson. It was awesome to see Taylor get it done and make the cut at Augusta National. That was quite a feat for Nick Taylor. In terms of surprises, my number one surprise this year, how about Stewart Sink? coming for his yeah. first victory since the 2009 Open Championship. He almost felt bad because he beat Tom Watson in 2009 at that Open Chan- Championship, a six-shot victory in a four-hole playoff. He also finished T4 in Bermuda and Sanderson Farms at top 12. Plus, having his son Reagan on the bag as his caddy, just an awesome story.
1: Cool story. Cool story. you know, we talk a lot about the young guns and, and the story of the young guns this year with Morikawa and Wolf and Hovland and Scotty Scheffler. And, I mean, the list is endless. But Stuart Sink, Phil Mickelson winning back-to-back debut uh, events on Champions Tour. Um, uh, who am I forgetting? Paul Casey contending in majors. Paul Casey is no young gun here. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the level of play – to Bob's point right off the top of the show, anything Bernard Langer does is <laughs> at 63. is ridiculous. What about Larry Mize's opening like, at Augusta, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, fear, come on. The one is for him. Yes. I mean, and let's not forget Mike Weir. Okay. He is the last six months of Mike Weir's career compared to the previous five, six years with injuries. Uh, lack of confidence, uh, trying to figure out if he's going to be ready for the Champions Tour, all those emotions that everybody went through with Mike Witter. We say emotions because he's so beloved in this country, right? He's still the flag bearer, okay? Uh, He's still that green jacket. That's our image for Canadian golf. I mean, to see him competitive again and to see him looking like he's going to mean something at the Champions level. And I said this on the air the other day. If he's that competitive on the Champions Tour and can play that game, don't kid yourself. He might be able to pick a few spots once in a while on the PGA Tour still at the age of 52. There's still the odd setup and still the odd place where he'll be invited back at the pa- in the past champions category where he might surprise a few people. So maybe I'm pie in the sky on that one, but go where's he? Okay, uh, disappointment of the year, guys. This is like, for me, it's a complete slam dunk. Like, I would even hesitate. <laughs> I said, we, we lost our national championship. Yeah. It, to me, that is, I, I mean, it's it's my most... It's my favorite week of the year Uh, for a lot of my friends, a lot of the people we work with, a lot of the people I work with south of the border. I'm like the unofficial host to them that week. I mean, like it's 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 such a big week for all of us. We get to stick our chest out with our Canadian pride, especially the job that's been done in recent years with the success at Hamilton, which was like off the chart. And now we're coming to downtown Toronto on another epic golf course with the momentum of Hamilton. And I mean, it's going to be the greatest Canadian open of all time, which was Hamilton's story. Mm-hmm. Rory McIlroy as the defending champion strength of field through the roof again. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's gone. Poof COVID takes another one. Another one bites the dust. And I, uh, i mean it was so sad it was so depressing we lost a lot of golf tournaments this year on canadian soil we lost pga tour canada uh we lost our ontario open uh i mean so much when it comes to competitive golf that we were looking forward to in canada but the rbc canadian open as that as that crown jewel of of our showcase to the world on a, on a global golf stage bob It was heartbreaking is what it was well
2: think what a a majestic year it would have been to have the canadian open rbc canadian open at st george's and the cp women's open at shaughnessy probably two of the best golf courses that this country has and to showcase those to the world and and perhaps have some great finishes we had as you mentioned we had rory but imagine if we'd had brooke henderson and adam hadwin chasing down the stretch or something like that so certainly a huge disappointment uh, I had a couple other ones down here. I mean, a guy who was disappointing this year to me, and in a shocking way, Ricky Fowler. No top tens since January. Out of the top 50 in the world ranking, or slipping there. Uh, missed a six-inch pot at the PGA Championship. It was a, a stunningly uh, poor year, and I know he's working on some swing changes, but man, it, it just didn't seem like Ricky was ever contending.
1: And now what, what would Ricky's age guys be? Uh, is he early thirties now? Is he 33, 34? He's in
3: his, he's in his early thirties. He's in his thirties now. And, and you know, Bob, it's funny you mentioned that. I I think we should have called each other before this meeting. Cause I, I actually, uh, I had Ricky Fowler on my list as well. It's hard to believe he's 48th in the world. Now he's dropped all the way down. And, you know, finished 94th in the FedEx cup in 2019, 20 best finish since the pandemic pause at T12. Ricky Fowler, like where on earth have you been? And, you know, 31. And 31 and you think think of Jordan Spieth as well another guy and obviously you know he struggled since the 2017 Open Championship and he's he's hit some balls in some very interesting spots on the PGA Tour and you know standing I'll never forget it. we talked about this during the U.S. Open first tee at Wingfoot he was over the ball for close to 30 seconds just sort of hovering and trying to pull it back and he had about 11 different thoughts going on so you hope for Jordan Spieth that he can bring it back because he is one of the great personalities in the game of
2: golf but what both of those, those two guys are both those two guys everyone loves jordan spieth in the locker room everyone loves ricky fowler in the mm-hmm. locker room media love him so you just you want to pull for them
1: uh what about uh by the way he turns 32 december 13th so the uh-huh. day after our festivist special apparently he's waiting for <laughs> Festivus special and then he's going double celebration <laughs> that's it so um while we're looking at names the other side of that coin, pleasant surprises. What about the continued great play guys Of Webb Simpson? Still being relevant, still you know right up there. Was he number seven in the official World Golf ranking still as we record this special? I mean, Webb Simpson in a, in, in, in a game where we're supposed to be talking about guys that hit it like 9,000 miles and do all these exceptional things. And I mean, he's just an underrated plotter still hanging around, hitting it, you know, modest, like, you know, he's not short. Let's not kid ourselves. But, I mean, to today's Bombers, you put him up against DJ, Rory, DeChambeau, Kapka, Justin Thomas, he's short compared to those particular crowd of guys who are the guys that we tend to hoist up. John Rahm, uh, by all means, right up there, hits it a mile. Um, Webb Simpson, the performance from him, exceptional, well done. Uh, The return of Sergio Garcia to the Mm -hmm. winner's circle has to be a nice, pleasant surprise for everyone, including Sergio. Because you were wondering there for a while, you know, yeah. is Sergio still in this with us, right? Is he still got the desire to put in the time, to put in the work? You know, he went through equipment changes. He's, he's a double duty father now, you know, two lovely children. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, is he still want to be one of the best players in the world? Does he want to make the Ryder Cup team? I said, you know, when the Ryder Cup team got blown up, my initial instinct was this. The two happiest players in the world that the Ryder Cup got blown up, Sergio Garcia and Rick and, uh, and Jordan Spieth. That's what I thought to myself because they've got an extra 12 months to find their way onto that team. And we know how bad probably both of them want to be there, right, Bob? Mm-hmm. Like, Would you not think, is there anybody else I'm missing in that conversation of happy as hell that it got pushed back a year?
2: Maybe the two captains. I don't know. <laughs> well. Yeah, no. I would think those two guys are the perfect guys who who desperately want to be on those teams, and and could probably, if they could show some some signs of life, really uh, emotionally help lift both those squads up.
3: And, and All right, boy, before we go to small break, small sorry, ball. one more final surprise on Sergio putting with his eyes closed, and which apparently he he's been
1: doing at, for two years.
3: Claims he did it at Augusta <laughs> National uh, when he won. Uh, maybe Uh,
1: I put with my eyes closed for a completely different reason (laughs) out of fear. That's a whole other show. (laughs) That's a whole other show. All right. Uh, guys on the other side, we're going to talk breakout player of the year. And every once in a while, when we do these shows, we get to a category, uh, where I I wonder if anyone's going to have a different answer. And this is one of those categories. I wonder if this might just be a 60-second segment coming up <laughs> on the other side. And I'm curious to see. I could be wrong, but I don't know if you can go anywhere but one direction. We'll talk about it on the other side. This is our Golf Talk Canada Best of your Review special.
0: This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by smartgolfdeals.com the smartest way to shop for golf this segment of gtc is brought to you by woodington lake golf club proud home of pga tour canada's ontario open now here are your hosts mark Sakino and bob weeks
1: welcome back to our golf talk here in a best of special on tsn radio network tsn 1050 i Heart radio app and you might be watching us on our youtube channel we don't often load up shows to youtube but why not this time of year pre-record time of year let's uh Throw something up there. You can look at our pretty mugs for an hour or two. Uh, Boys, this is one of those topics that we're going to get into next where I went, "Eh." I'm hoping someone has a different answer. I'm not even going to tell you mine because I think it's an absolute slam dunk. Uh, Bob, let's go with you. You start first. Who's your breakout player of the year (laughs) and why?
2: Well, the easy answer I think is going to be Colin Morikawa. Obviously, winning the PGA Championship is not often, you know, you can – you can do that in what what was it his second major championship mm-hmm. that he's ever played, or something like that, so that's pretty crazy, but you know i'll give I'll give some honorable mentions out how about uh, how about daniel Berger? he's not really a breakout player because he's but he's more like the comeback player Comeback. Of the year, right one hundred and fifty six in the world when we started this season he's now inside the top fifteen uh, had a run after winning that Charles Schwab challenge the first tournament back had a run there where man it was uh, it was just stunning what he did but i mean, I guess you could go wolf, I guess you could go. Give a little nod to Scotty, Scotty Scheffler. Scheffler played yeah. well, But yeah, pretty hard to beat a guy who wins, the, uh, wins a major.
1: Adam, uh, for you, breakout player of the year. Okay, so you guys know
3: me. Sometimes I go a little different path in these categories. And here's where I'm going here. One well, the breakout players of the year. How about Harry Higgs? One of the great personalities <laughs> oh, yeah. on the PGA Tour. Three top tens. Uh, I got to go through some of his tweets because this guy is hilarious. So, we, uh, unfortunately, he got COVID, and so he tweeted out, in case anyone is wondering how my quarantine is going, I just watched Emily in Paris in one sitting. Honestly, quite enjoyed it. <laughs> and then, you know, Mark, at length, he always talked about the first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet. Well, Harry Higgs' look with the deep V, the pants that are questionably a little too tight, It's a bold look, but Harry Higgs pulls it off. Then he had a couple of great moments this year. How about back in Phoenix? Drives the 17th hole, rides the bull with the driver between his legs, and then he makes the 80-footer for Eagle. And then, of course, to top it off, he makes an albatross at Safeway in the second round. Obviously, he was pretty excited, but after the round, he was more concerned that he wouldn't be able to fall asleep for his afternoon. (laughs) Harry Higgs, you're my breakout player of the year.
2: Can 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 you imagine him and Bryson DeChambeau they went to the same school at the same time together. No, Those two not guys, all. That's like oil and water right there.
1: <laughs> Bob, uh, this is so shocking that Adam's breakout player of the year is not Colin Murakawa, which is, I don't know how it's not. It, everyone's breakout player of the year is called. I think we need to reach out to Harry and let Harry know that he is one uh, Adam Scully's Golf Talk Canada Breakout Player of the Year award. Would he like to come on and accept it that he beat out Colin Murakawa? Would I you mean, not? It
2: could, just be, it could just be a picture of Scully in a shirt that goes way down to here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just just oh, this, there. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, let's take a bit of a twist on this because I-, I wasn't going anywhere other than Colin Murakawa for all the reasons in the world. Uh, but from a Canadian angle, you know, right now I think Mackenzie Hughes is probably playing the best golf than any Canadian on the planet. I think that'd be hard to to make an argument uh, any other way. But Bob mentioned a, a really nice run from Taylor Penrith up the official world golf ranking. Great performance at the U.S. Open, and now really positioned quite nicely, maybe uh, for for a nice twenty twenty one. So, uh, Bob, if you were to pick one Canadian, which I know this is tough, uh, and I you know, and, and we could talk LPGA here too. I mean. If you were to pick one Canadian player on any tour right now who you think could have a breakout in 2021, who is it and why and what is that breakout? Like, is it a breakout multiple PGA Tour wins? Is the breakout contending in a major? Like, breakout is a general term, it could mean many different things.
2: You know, it'd be easy to say Taylor Pendrith uh, because under normal circumstances, he'd be graduating to the PGA Tour this year, but he's not going to do that. So I'll I'll leave him. I think Corey Connors might have um, the game, the mental fortitude to try and compete in a major championship. I mean, you could make a case for any of the guys on the PGA Tour right now, uh, especially the big four in Taylor, Hughes, Hadwin and Connors. But I think Corey showed me something at the uh, Masters this year. Uh, finishing tied for 10th that he's really kind of got the skill and and he doesn't really have the fear anymore. I think he's, it's easy to forget. He's only in his like his third year on the PGA tour. So you forget that he's still young and still gaining experience, but I think he would be the guy that I would look out for. Scully? Yeah, I was going
3: to say Corey Connors, too. I mean, as we record this, he has back-to-back top 10 finishes on the PGA Tour, including, yes, that unbelievable performance at the Masters to get into the 2021 Masters as well. And I've been fascinated by Adam Hadwin throughout this summer, and um, he's, he hasn't played great. He showed flashes of brilliance, then sort of a couple of bad rounds you know, in, in the mid-70s every once in a while. His putter is always there, but he was, he said he had some pretty strong words at Augusta national saying he's as lost as he's ever been on the golf course, which you don't really hear many players say that sort of thing. I'm curious to see Adam Hadwin because, you know, he's made two president's cup teams before. I think he could have a good 2021 for sure.
2: And, and just a side note, uh, he's parted ways with his longtime coach, Ralph Bauer. So he's making some changes. I think that he realizes that it's uh, it's time to maybe, you know, got to go in a different direction. Mm. It's uh, so we'll see he hasn't got a new coach yet but we'll see who he's going to look for maybe he'll change that up maybe maybe the change is as good as as anything for him right now
1: that's a great segue bob because it's going to set up our winners winner what which is on the other side before we get to winners winner, what before we go to the break quick question for for you guys francesco molinari has a better chance of winning a golf tournament in 2021 or opening a gelato stand bob Yeah.
2: Is he still playing golf?
1: (laughs) Put Bob down for gelato stand. Scully.
3: (laughs) I don't know. I think think he's got a chance if he wants to. He didn't really play much golf. He was moving his family, I believe, during the pandemic pause and took four months off. So I think if he gets back into it. But he was still saying he's still scarred from what happened at Augusta National last year when he really had one arm in the jacket, if you will. But who knows? How about you, Mark? What do you think?
1: Well, put uh, Bob and I in the gelato stand together, and we'll make sure we buy a third and find you somewhere, Scully.
3: You'll find me with Harry Higgs and uh, <laughs> yeah. with the deep V-necks.
1: Yeah. Make that four gelatos. Okay. On the other <laughs> side, we're going to do Winners, Weird or What, Best of yearn Review Edition. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks.
1: Welcome back to our Year in Review special, The Best Of, as we run these throughout the winter season on Golf Canada, And this might be our favorite time of the show. It usually is on a week-to-week basis, whether we're TV, whether we're radio. It's Winners, Weird and What, our version of the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, We call it 3-Dub, and we're just going to go around the horn for our Year in Review 3-Dub. Scully, give us your winner of the year. What was it, brother? So for me,
3: back in 2019, you'll remember, Phil, I was pretty high on Phil Mickelson for his game on social media. And now other players in the PGA Tour have added their social media game and made it a whole lot better. Like Joel Damon, for example. He's one of the great personalities on the PGA Tour. I picked one tweet in particular, and Mark, I believe you were actually on the grounds for this. This was after he missed the cut at Northern Trust. When he put on Friday afternoon, and I'm quoting him here, this might be a bad idea, but I'm going to throw this out there. I have the weekend off, and I'm looking for a money game tomorrow. I prefer it to be close to the Foxborough area. I want to play for enough money that it matters. But not enough to have to sell my house. Now, if I'm if I remember correctly, he actually played with Nick Taylor. He went to college yeah. the next day, and a couple other random guys. But some great person personality there from uh, Joel Damon and Mark. Did you end up being in that force as well? Well, I
1: was just say I, I was almost called both you guys to back me financially. Right. Uh, except I had to work 36 holes still. So I could <laughs> get out of my uh, I couldn't get out of my radio duties, or I was all in on that one. <laughs> Bob, winner of 2020, what is it?
2: Uh, well, first of all, don't forget Damon and uh, Taylor lost four hundred dollars, so not, <laughs> not, to, not to that they lost to the guys they played against. <laughs> My winner is a collection of Canadian golf, and I think this was an amazing year for Canadian golf. And you think of all the things that happened uh, from from the top levels down to the bottom. First time we've ever had four Canadian men inside the the uh, top one hundred in the world ranking. First time in 55 years, we had four uh, Canadians in the Masters. I love the fact that those four guys played practice round every Tuesday, the Ontario guys versus the BC guys. The Ontario guys waxed them, by the way. Um, and and uh, Brooke with two top tens in two majors. There's one more coming up at the U.S. Women's Open. And also, here at home, record numbers of rounds being played in Canada. That's the most golf we've probably ever played in this country, obviously because of a reason. So my winner in the totalitarian thing is Canadian golf.
1: Well, I'm kind of right with you, Bob. And you know, we don't tell each other what our winners are, what, who we pick, we, we leave it blank. So it creates better radio, better conversation, but I'm almost bang on with Bob on what my winner of 2020 Mm -hmm. is. And I'm going to phrase it this way. My winner is golf. Golf saved the planet in 2020. We have gone through a global pandemic in which we will hopefully never see again. Let's pray to God we never see anything like this again. Lives have been lost, businesses torn apart, families torn apart. We've been locked up in houses like their jail cells. But what saved us? What got us through spring? What got us through summer? What pushed us into the fall, kept us outside, kept us active, kept us sane? Golf. Golf saved the planet in 2020, uh, and especially here in North America and especially here in Canada at the Bob's Point. The participation numbers like we've never seen. And it's not just a Canadian phenomenon. The numbers were huge south of the border as well and other places around the world. People trying golf for the first time. People rediscovering golf that they haven't played in years. People who are regular golfers playing more than they ever have before. Golf's my winner of 2020, hands down. The year 2020 will be the year we go. Golf saved the planet. It really, without golf this year, guys, you'd be pulling me out of uh, some sewer somewhere with a bottle of Brunello hanging on my mouth out of a paper bag. Okay, it, it really. <laughs> It, it, uh, look, I got so excited. I pulled my uh earphones out. It, it's, it saved my you excited
2: about the Brunello. I think <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it,
1: it was, uh, it, it really, it really saved a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, my weird. And Bob, you probably be able to speak to this. Being on the grounds at the players championship mm-hmm. was one of the most bizarre, uh, feelings I've ever had in my life. Um, First, when the news broke, you know, that we were going to you know, have no spectators on the ground. And then you see the NCAA tournament being canceled and the NBA pulling a plug on their season. And it started give me like a, a feeling of a sensation of, of what I had back in January of 2018 when I was in Hawaii. And we got a, our phones lit up, our TVs, our radios lit up on a fake missile crisis. And we all thought we were going to die. For 35 minutes, we thought they were missiles heading from North Korea to the Hawaiian islands. Now, did we know they were ballistic? It doesn't matter, You missile heading your way. Like it was one of the most bizarre experiences of my life. And a lot of those feelings kind of started to come up again when that stuff started happening at the players because you're going like, how, is, this, is this real? How serious is this? Are we in danger? Is my family okay? Because you're separated from your loved ones as Bob and I are on the ground, you know, thousand miles away. And then 9, 9.30 that night, and everybody's phone lights up the tournament's being canceled then my phone lights up again because now all the hysteria kicks in and the lack of information it just starts to spread borders are closing go home you're going to be stuck in america i mean panic sets in it was awful it was horrible i hope i never have to go through anything like this again bravo to the pga tour of what's transpired mm-hmm. since incredible story in fact it could have been my winner this year if golf didn't save the planet my winner might have been golf figuring out a way to come back and do it properly and give us professional golf again. But Bob, that's my weird. I know you were there. It was creepy.
2: It was weird. It was uh, strange When I think back of it. The funniest thing was it went from a, fr- a Thursday round with all the crowds there and they had a press conference at noon saying, okay, we're going to keep, keep going with the tournament, but no fans. And then that night the, the tournament was canceled and uh, you know, it went from Wednesday night having a chain smokers concert with 5,000 people all around the, the There to to nothing, and I don't know what we were thinking because the next day all we did was go into scrums out in front of the clubhouse talking to people about the pandemic. I mean, we could have (laughs) probably we'd never do that now, but anyway, my uh, my weird is a little bit of a lighter side, and it's uh, but it is still controversial, and it takes us back to Tyrrell Hatton winning at the BMW Championship wearing a hoodie, which kicked (laughs) off the biggest dispute in the dress code of golf clubs around the world as to whether or not you should be wearing a hoodie. And I am, in the, I am in the positive. I like to wear a hoodie on the golf course. I have never actually tried to wear a hoodie at my golf course, so I don't know if they would throw me off or not. Uh, but I think that the dispute that, uh, that came after, uh, I guess we'll call it Hoodie-gate, to me was the, one of the weirdest things because as my grandfather used to say, only a damn fool's uncomfortable. If you're feeling good, why not wear a hoodie? And Mark, it's your tagline, the first good
1: decision. That's it. Happens in the clock. Bob, I'm with you. I love the hoodie. I know Adam loves the hoodie. Colin, if you're listening this morning or watching us on YouTube, Colin, let Bob wear his hoodie. All right? Just (laughs) let him wear his hoodie. Absolutely. Okay, Scully, you're weird and you're what? Back to back
3: first of all hoodie on the golf course is an obvious win especially this time of year when you know you play playing in the fall when you could play you know a couple of weeks ago it's a great little put it on and you stay warm but my my weird and mark you were actually on the ground for my weird this year this goes back to the genesis adam scott 14th hole in the final round it. you called it you almost got hit by this golf ball i think he i actually, was standing
1: beside joel damon go ahead i didn't mean to cut yeah you off.
3: so so i was i was doing this this highlight pack for sports center for tsn <laughs> and final round pga tour event not your local muni he hits his ball his ball rolls past joel damon joel turns (laughs) around and goes what are you doing (laughs) have you ever seen anything like that on the pga tour playing through beep beep look out maybe marshall four heads up no nothing
1: my producer uh alan trexler who produces our uh, live play-by-play coverage on pga tour radio who's like an unbelievable job to, to 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 move the traffic around that he moves around the guy's incredible and he, all i get in my and he usually knows everything before we do it i get in my ears uh mark yeah did adam scott just hit into joel damon <laughs> yep okay we're gonna take a pause we're gonna go somewhere else all right we're not gonna come to you for that update right so you know but- we, we knew
3: 2020 was a strange year. This was before the pandemic hit, but that sort of summarizes 2020 in a nutshell right there. One of the stranger things I've ever seen on the PGA Tour. Okay, my what this year. U.S. Open, third round, Danny Lee. Yikes. Oh, yes, absolute, I forgot about that. Just an absolute meltdown. Just lost it. The, the, the old six-putt. <laughs> And then it was kind of strange because no one actually showed it on TV. There was an online feed later the night, then they finally showed it on the telecast, and he slammed his putter, and he withdrew from the US. But that is my what this year, one of the stranger moments, just an absolute tirade and a meltdown.
2: Bob, what's your what? Well, I go back to, the, to more of the local story, and my what is, what would we have done this year without one of the greatest inventions in Canadian golf history, the pin caddy? And nice. <laughs> I don't think, when you think of how that, that little item took off and the great story behind it, how it was invented in Kitchener and saved uh, uh, some jobs from a, a metal fabrication plant and went into over 250 golf courses across Canada and in Scotland and in California and in Florida, a simple little device that uh, really became kind of uh, symbolic, I guess, of golf in the COVID era. So that's my what, what a great story. mm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know it's like there are some silver linings, right? Uh, it's nice to try to look for, through the mud to find the silver linings, and that was certainly one of them. And record year for golf manufacturers as well, and record year for courses, whether it be private, public, resort. You know, it, it, as long as you're talking domestically within the province, I mean, there was a lot of uh, uh, there was a lot of positives as well, which which is nice because it kind of pulls you through mm-hmm. the the tough stuff. All right, guys, before we go to break, because on the other side is uh, I love our predictions. How crazy some of them get. So I tried to stay in my lane on this one. I didn't get too nuts. I know Adam, Bob, he'll have the Tiger winning the career Grand Slam, not career <laughs> the year He'll have Tiger winning all four. I know we're getting there for that. So I think he does that because Jeff McDonald is listening, and uh, and Adam just goes uh, Tiger wins all four. So that Jeff,
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> so yeah. so that, that Jeff goes, yeah. That Scully knows his stuff because we know Jeff's the biggest Tiger fan. So. <laughs> Uh, my what this year is uh, kind of piggybacks a little bit on, on Adam Hadwin. And, Bob, you're working with Ralph Bauer. I'm working with, with Ralph Bauer. Oh. So, hopefully, uh, you know, Adam might not be anymore to, to, to what you said. But, you know, two high-profile Canadian golfers are moving into the rough.
2: <laughs> <With laughs> Talking about you and Mackenzie Hughes?
1: <laughs> oh, no, you and me, buddy. You and oh, me. Uh, our, our, um, my what this, uh, this year is what is it going to take for uh, Jordan Spieth? to make some changes. Mm -hmm. I I mean, we've really seen no improvement. Uh, He's as lost as he's ever been. To me, it doesn't look like anything is working in the right progression. I I don't want to talk necessarily about Michael Greller, because I think Michael Greller has done a great job as his caddy. You know, what he did just in 2016 at the US Open to to pull Jordan back into that round and and so he could win at Chambers Bay. What he did at the 13th hole, at the Open Championship, but to kind of keep Jordan, I think Michael Greller has earned his his weight as a caddy. But uh, you know, and Cameron McCormick is one of the game's best golf professionals, uh, as is a Ralph Bower. That it's, this is when when people make changes, it is not a statement on the coach. It's a statement that the player needs to hear something different. The language isn't landing anymore. They need to hear things different ways. And to me, I don't know if it's ever been more obvious that I think Jordan Spieth needs to seek either a new coach and find a new way of doing things or hear something or no coach at all. Because the best version of Tiger Woods that we have seen in the last 12 years, 13 years, has been a, a coachless Tiger Woods. A Tiger Woods that went to the dark end of the range and found the answers in the dirt like Ben Hogan did. And just learn to hit shots again and learn to trust it again. So in my opinion, boys, Jordan Spieth, we're either at no coach or coach change time. Because, I mean, the star has fallen and it's getting faster and faster. And the longer this goes, the harder it is to come back if you're Jordan Spieth.
3: Yeah, so. he's he's got to do something. He's got to play more hit and giggle. He, he's got to go on another uh, another spring break trip with Ricky Fowler and Smiley Kaufman, wherever Smiley Kaufman is right now. And
2: Justin Smiley Kaufman and... might have might have been contagious. That's might have been what happened to him.
1: Well, it's a, you know the the uh, definition of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is insanity, right? So okay, on the other side, predictions. What do we expect for twenty twenty one? We'll wrap up the show next. This is Golf
0: This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf, ready for sport. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks.
1: Welcome back to our Golf Talk Canada special. It is a year in review, best-of series. We'll run it throughout the winter. We'll get you caught up before we wrap it up, But this is our last segment. Bob, it's predictions, and uh, these are so much fun. And you, there's no rules. It's whatever you want to predict for the year of 2021 in the world of golf. Give it to us, Bob. What are your predictions? What are your bold predictions, Bob?
2: I'm going way out in the limb with the first one. Brooke Henderson's going to win a major championship. There you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My second
2: one's a little more risque. Bryson DeChambeau is going to hurt his back.
1: Ooh. Uh,
2: I'm going to say Dustin Johnson will win another major.
1: Ooh. And
2: I'm going to say Mike Weir will win on the Champions Tour. Love that. And I'm going to say that there will be a lot of discussion and likely some legal challenges when the distance report is released by the USGA and the RNA. I think it's going to be in April. Uh, that will be an interesting document to, uh, to dissect. And, uh, but I think it's going to have a huge impact On the game of golf
1: okay this is really cool because my closing question to you guys i wasn't going to tell you but i was gonna i was gonna ask you guys before we wrapped up this segment do you think when that comes out there's going to be a rollback or some type of modification to equipment i.e rules and with bob's uh, prediction he's believing there's something in there that would consider lawsuits etc so bob you're answering that question right there adam give us your predictions for 2021.
3: okay first of all i say mackenzie hughes And Corey Connors will get their second career PGA Tour victories. I also agree with Bob. I think Mike Weir will win on PGA Tour champions. And here's my prediction for you guys, Jeff McDonald, everyone. (laughs)
1: Tiger
3: Woods, number 83 during the Florida swing. Wow. So I I say that's happening. I say Rory McIlroy wins another major, but not at Augusta National. I don't think he's ready just for that. And lastly, Team Europe wins
1: the Ryder Cup. Oh. Okay, so this is really creepy, okay? Because Uh-oh. a lot of us, we don't talk about this. I keep reiterating that. We don't tell each other what we're going to say. And I'm really close on a couple of these. Uh, I, like, I had Weirzy winning on the Champions Tour. Bob's already said that. I already had that question posed to you, guys. It, was, it wasn't a prediction. It was a question. Bob answered the question before I had a chance to answer it. Ask it, <laughs> all right? Perfect.
2: All right, I had have, I have one more to add before you get to yours, yeah, Mark. fire away. I forgot this one's down in the list. Not only will Brooke Anderson win a major, she will win a gold medal. Oh, Olympics. there you go.
1: All right. Okay, go. guys, here we go. So I'm going to start my predictions with a contradiction to Adam Scully. Team USA wins the Ryder Cup <laughs> on U.S. soil at Whistling Straits. Sounds so I like hear, a wager. Sounds like there might be some lollies on the line for us right there, Scully. Okay. Yeah. Dustin Johnson. Becomes the fourth man in history to win back-to-back Green Jackets. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a different way of doing it, isn't it, Bob? Because mm-hmm. he gets yes. to go managers, <laughs> masters, Masters. You know, He's the only true
2: back-to-back winner. That's right. <laughs> Fal-
1: Faldo, Woods, and Nicholas, they had to wait a year to defend their Green Jacket. Uh, DJ, five and a half months, so he wins the major. And to me, it's Augusta. Adam, you'll like this one. Rory McIlroy wins a major championship in 2021, but it's unlikely to be Augusta. I got him penciled in at Kiowa Island, Mm -hmm. the ocean course, where he's already won a major before. Mm -hmm. And Tiger Woods will win number 83 and go leapfrog to the top of the mountain, away from Sam Snead. Regardless of how fictional Snead's record is, I can do a whole hour on how much BS is in his 82 wins. With all due respect to one of the greatest players of all time, it ain't 82. All you got to do is listen to Jack go on his rant. Nicholas will tell you a rant of what that 82 number is all about because I think Nicholas is you know sitting in the low 70s. So Jack, Jack is not shy to give his opinion on 82 wins from Sam Snead. So a well, lot of things, yeah, bunch of other things, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will tell you that Tiger Woods is going to win number 83. I don't have him in the Florida swing, though, Adam. Where I have him is winning 83 in possibly a limited field event of some kind, like a tour championship, like an invitational, possibly Genesis LA, or a match play if he were to qualify, if he mm. were to somehow figure into that mix. So I don't see him walking into a player's championship or a major next year or in a wide open event at Tory Pines and getting that done you give me bmw championship you give me northern trust you give me tour champion you give me a limited field i don't know i some mm-hmm. somehow every time i count out tiger woods every time i'm ready to retire him, every time i'm ready to bring him in behind yeah. the barns and, 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 and turn him into glue he does something to, to shut me up mm-hmm. so i'm hoping we see 83 guys yeah that does it boys that does it uh Thank you to both of you again for another great year. I know we're not going away, but uh, this is kind of a season wrap. We are going to do Festivus for the rest of us, year in review, as we air grievances, feats of strength, open up phones, give stuff away, have guest callers, etc. December twelfth, TSN TV, TSN Radio, coast to coast. December twelfth, live, Saturday morning, eight to ten, TV or radio. Festivus. We'll kick off that celebration throughout the winter. Best of year review specials, including this one. We're gonna do a Canadian special, equipment special. There are travel specials running on TV. We're back first week in February for season 11 of Golf Talk Canada Radio. And we're back at the Players' Championship for season seven of Golf Talk Canada TV. We'll have a full schedule in 2021, not a reduced schedule. We'll get back to where where we were supposed to be for 2020 pre-pandemic. Kicking it off with the year's fifth major, the best field in golf on golf's greatest stadium the Players' Championship. Bob, thank you to you as always.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Adam.
1: Adam Thanks, nice you. boys. You're the best for everything you do and all the extra stuff you do. You're the best. Thank nice you. Boys. We couldn't do anything without everybody, all of our friends, all of our sponsors, all the people at TSN, all the people who make Golf Talk Canada happen. Thank you so much. Tune in throughout the winter. We'll see you in Feb. We'll see you at Festivus. Remember, first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet
0: this segment of gtc presented by smart was brought to you by adidas golf ready for sport thank you for listening to gtc don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram at golf talk canada for show archives podcasts and all things gtc visit golftalkcanada.com and don't miss golf talk canada television weekly on the tsn television network